Joan Hogan welcoming you to the Prairie Doc radio program. Dr. Holm, our Prairie Doc, is right here in the studio ready to answer your questions of a medical nature or sailing nature, whatever's on your on your, uh, on your agenda. agenda today. Dr. Holmes' specialty is internal medicine. He's a primary care physician with the Avira Medical Group Brookings, and he's also a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning. Good morning, John We already Hogan. talked earlier, and we're talking about sailing, but yes. right now we're into medicine. Well, uh, and of course, you know, the advantage of sailing, just like the advantage of woodworking or the advantage of gardening, or the advantage of a walking group is that, or cards, is that uh, the things that you have fun doing enhance the quality of your life. And you know, you ought to look into the things that you think you might have fun doing and try them out. Uh, if, you, uh, if you can explore new horizons, um, and you're never too old to do that. So I would encourage for your met- mental health, uh, to do those things like sailing or like gardening or like card playing or horseback riding or Maybe whatever it is. Maybe try something you've never done before. Try these new right. things so that you can learn. Um, yeah. There's going to be people uh, sailing that haven't sailed before coming up this next um, June 11th. That would be June 11th at 11. At 11. 11 at, at 11 81 o'clock at Pier 81. High 81. <laughs> we got that. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. If you have any questions of a medical nature, I know Dr. Holm would be more than happy to respond. Just give us a call at 692-1430. We'll be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. It is very cold. I need another woman in the studio. I really do. Okay. Okay. I am outnumbered here, guys. All right, here we go. We did have a caller with a question. Thank goodness. And this caller okay. called just before the program began and wanted to talk about a staph infection on her hand. Hers or his. I don't know if it was a man or woman that called. Yeah. Can the staph infection on my hand be spread to another person? Ooh. Well, let's let's talk about staph and strep okay of course everybody's worried about spreading infections and infections is everywhere and uh our infections are everywhere and uh you know you 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 catch them when you touch anything and um and of course we all get paranoid about it and we all wash our hands a lot and so on and so forth but the real truth is to live in this world you are going to be exposed uh, and uh, you have to realize that staph and strep are everywhere. They're on everything that you touch, every single thing that you touch. They're spread all over your body at every time. We are living symbiotically with a bacterial flora that is um, more numerous than the cells of our body. Well, if they're there all the time, why do we get infections? Um who the heck can figure that oh, one out? Oh, all right. We have staff around us, but it doesn't mean it's always an infection. Right. They? I mean, they're around us, and uh, sometimes they uh, uh, spread infections, and sometimes they don't. Uh, all I can say is, okay, I'll give you a good example. I had a, uh, a blister from my, my new uh, sandals when I was down at uh, sailing uh, one week in the British Virgin Islands, and the, and it hurt, so, uh, and it broke open, the blister broke open, and the darn sandals were uh, not my favorite sandals, and they never have been, but I still have them somewhere, 
and I put a Band-Aid over it. I put one of those really capture-everything Band-Aids that kept uh, moisture in and out and the whole thing. There's, you, know, you have a variety of different kinds that, that are very eff effective and helpful. Not like the strap over it, it's just a little cotton gauze, and then you know there's air from every side around. And over, and I didn't take it off. I just left it there because it worked so well and it stayed on so well. And about two days into it, it's really starting to hurt. And in fact, the whole toe is starting to swell. And I pulled that Band-Aid off and it was capturing the bacteria there and they were growing. Okay. So you had an infection growing. I had an infection. Okay. And so what I did then was I took my toe down to the, to the bathroom and I took soap and water and I washed away that infection. And uh, there was a fair amount of pus and I cleansed it just about as aggressively as a guy could do it uh, without being harmful to the tissue underneath. And then I put a loose Band-Aid over it so that it still didn't rub but there was all sorts of air moving in and out. I didn't put Vaseline on it to capture the bacteria again, which sometimes you'd use Vaseline. It's a wonderful, wonderful tool. And the infection just went away like that. I think the value of cleansing an open wound and keeping it from capturing uh, or, or uh, being captured by whether it be a, a Vaseline or an antibiotic ointment or... Uh, kind of grease, sometimes those kinds of things can make things worse and capture the infection within. And so I would discourage uh, uh, tight bandages that aren't cleansed. I would like to take any wound of any kind and wash it carefully twice a day. And I also like the idea of Vaseline when it looks like it's a clean wound. So then it heals faster. But it's got to be a clean wound. And so if you were going to ask me the importance of uh, taking care of a wound and keeping it from getting infected, the one thing is that you cleanse it twice a day. Another is if it looks like it's festering, then you're going to want to try to cleanse out whatever it is in there, and I, I will then let air get to it. Otherwise, I kind of like a little Vaseline. Not a triple antibiotic ointment, not a bacitracin, none of these things that have antibiotics in them because... It really, the active ingredient is the Vaseline. Use the Vaseline. A lot less scenario. expensive, but that didn't answer her question. Can her staph infection or his on the hand be spread to another person? And the answer is yes, but uh, g get over it. It's, it's, it's going to be spread anyway. You know what I mean? Okay. I, keep your hands... If you, yeah. you know, the idea of washing your hands a lot is a good idea. And if you, uh, you know, I, when I wash my hands in the bathroom... I dry my hands off with the towel, and then I turn off the faucet with my towel, and then I open the door with my towel. I mean, you know, I, I, that there's a certain amount of paranoia about bathroom uh, infections. Really, the truth is the most infectious thing in our, our house, though, is in the kitchen, on the cutting board, in that rash, wash rag that we use too long without, you know, replacing or cleansing or microwaving. Uh, that's probably our dirtiest spot. Does it bother us? No. Do our clothes, you know, do, you know, do, do we get into trouble with the food that we prepare? Not. Nah. Most of the time we're just fine. I mean, you know, the amount of bacteria that we're exposed to compared to what you do when you're in, in Mexico, for example, is, 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 a, you know, we're very clean here. They're a lot less clean there and you get used to it. 
So um, uh, if you live in Mexico, if you're traveling, you get exposed to that much uh, bacteria and then it gets you sick. So I, I think we over uh, simplify the whole thing about bacteria. And uh, the bottom line on this is just keep yourself reasonably clean and know that no matter what you do, there's bacteria everywhere. And don't be too worried or paranoid about spreading it. You'll no. be all right. Yeah. Okay, we're going to take a break. We appreciate the call. We had another call come in. We'll take care of that right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We were just talking about infections and staph infections, and another question came up. What do you do about a scab? Well, so, so <clears throat> let's, let's talk wound healing 101 again. All right. I mean, start from the basics. I wrote a chapter for a textbook in medicine in 1980. Uh, <laughs> just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And uh, from that point on, I've, I've, I've watched the literature on wound healing. And of course, uh, a lot of people sell a lot of very expensive products, but it really comes down to it. If it is oozing a lot, you wanna capture all that ooze so you to keep it dry if it's dry you want to moisten moisturize it so it stays wet i mean um they they kind of like the idea of in between um and and so let's push that comment aside i want you to know that's in the literature everybody talks about it um if you have a wound that goes through the skin you have an open ulcer in other words you don't have skin covering it now many of us will see a blister that means that it took away the top layer, but there's still skin underneath. When there is no skin underneath, it's an open ulcer. Uh, and you know what'll cause that is a third degree burn or a third degree injury where it goes through and through. And now the way you get skin back is from the sides. It doesn't generate on top of the fat all by itself. You have to grow skin in from the sides. So what do you do to prepare a wound that is through and through and you see fat tissue underneath. You keep it moist or it'll develop a scab. And you keep it moist with a moist with an ointment uh, or Vaseline or Silvadine, which is in Vaseline impregnated with silver and, um, and some material, uh, I mean some chemicals, but uh, that provide an antibiotic uh, sort of a, a milieu. Sometimes you use silvadine with such wide open things that infections can occur. But for the mo most part, I think for common ulcers, unless you, uh, uh, common ulcers, the best thing to do is to clean it twice a day. And then when you, uh, and, and then when you're done, you put a little Vaseline in to keep it moist and to pr keep the dressing from pulling off the new tissue growing in from the sides. And then you cover it with a cotton gauze. Cheap cotton gauze doesn't need to be sterile because, let's face it, the world is not sterile. You're not going to keep it sterile. It isn't sterile. It's going to be living in a milieu of bacteria. Forget about it. Just use a cotton gauze you can buy, you know, a, a pound uh, for pennies. And you put a cotton gauze over the wound, and then you cover that with some paper tape, and you redress if you really want to be obsessive three times a day, but at least tw once a day. Twice a day would be, I think, the way that's reasonable with human beings. You take off the dressing. Oh, it's sticking. So then you soak it so that it doesn't pull off the new tissues. You soak it with what? 
tap water. Is that sterile? No way. Do you need to have sterile water? Forget about it. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an unsterile world. So you put tap water on it, soak it for five minutes. Then you can pull the cotton gauze off and you can replace, and then you cleanse it with soap and water, gentle cleansing, dry it off, little Vaseline, put another cotton gauze on. And you know, for the most part, that regimen will really work for most people, for most ulcers. So you'll grow a skin and you won't grow a scab. What if you don't do that and you do grow a scab? The scab will grow over. Right. And it's a natural, it's a natural covering, okay? And, it, and, and then what happens is the skin has to burrow underneath the scab and grow in from the sides underneath the scab. But see, the scab is sitting there day after day after day and bacteria can, can grow in there and, and then you can't cleanse it so well. So I think if you're going to talk about ideal, you know, people say, I'm going to let it dry out. Well, you dry it out, and if it's a through and through skin wound, it's going to get a scab. And then you're going to have it, and then you're going to leave that scab every day, so you're not going to cleanse it very well because you can't cleanse it off. I mean, it's a natural way of doing it, and nature does things better than we, we automatically um, you know, we think we're better because we, we're, you know, we've scientifically done these things. But the truth is that nature generally does well there. But I think for the most part, a scab does not do as well as being able to cleanse it with soap and water gently. Don't pull off the new skin with, with a dry dressing. Let it moisturize it so you can pull it off without pulling off the new tissue. Bob, Bob. has a question. <laughs> well, you know, Back in the good old days, it was iodine or mercurochrome when you got an owie on your knee or something like that. Should right. that be followed or should be... No. The, the problem with iodine, the problem with um, uh, mercurochrome is it destroys the new skin growing in from the side. Oh. oh let's, how about hydrogen peroxide? I use hydrogen peroxide when I've got a scabby, dirty, crappy, pussy wound that needs to be cleansed up. And it'll... It'll debreed. It just kind of burns off. Old. Bubbles up. It's kind of it, fun to see it. Bubbles well, and up. It bubbles and up. It takes all those tissues that don't need to be there away. Now, what does it do to the skin growing from the side? It's toxic. Uh, so um, I don't like people cleansing with hydrogen peroxide. I, I tell them, I can do that because I'm the doctor. But I don't <laughs> want you to do this because we need to let that tissue grow in from the side. I use it only when it's really dirty and a crappy wound that needs to be cleansed up. So I will um, cleanse with hydrogen peroxide when it's dirty and crappy. And then I will start my regimen so it doesn't, so it stays clean and it has nice granulation tissue that allows new tissue, new skin to grow from the side. When I was a kid, <clears throat> and it, I must have fallen a lot. I always had scabs on my knees. And I, my mother would say, oh, it's scabbed, it's healing. That was her line. If there's a scab, it's healing. And you know what? And let it be. The, the, the majority of times, it, the, leaving it alone, let it scab up and not worry about it with kids, that's fine. Okay. But, you know, a lot of us, uh, when you have a wound that's sore and it's going to be sore and you're bumping into it and all that, you need to protect it. So you're going to cover it with you will dressing. Cover it. When you're covering it with a dressing, you're protecting it from the outside invasions of all the other kinds of bacteria and so on and so forth. And you're... And you're also giving it the attention it needs, twice a day cleansing it with soap and water. 
good. Well, we are due to take our next we break. We beat that to death, didn't we? That's no, but terrible. I think that was good. You know, it's a commonplace thing. Most of us get sores or open wounds, and it's interesting to hear because there are new ideas coming down all the time. And as you say, science is hmm, not exact science, but it's this is they're learning new things all the time. That's and I think right. the advice on what to do with our wounds is good advice. We're going to be back right after these words. Hi, welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. We're happy to be here for you. And Dr. Holm has been answering a lot of, inform- giving us a lot of information about open sores and wounds. And I think we've about beaten that to death. Beat that to death. So you know, I just want you to yes. know that, that it's really fun to be an expert on a particular little field. Okay. And through the years, you know, when you've, once you've enlightened yourself on a particular topic and you've done all the literature search and then you put yourself as an expert writing a chapter in a book uh, and you have all your references and you've done this right, you know, do you think that when, a, uh, when all the literature that comes across my desk, then there's something about le- uh, wound ulcers, uh, I don't read it. I mean, I- That's I, the it, first thing you're gonna look it, at. And right. so, and there is so much literature about this particular material and that particular algae and this particular hyperbaric chamber and that particular, these ways to heal wounds. And they are only microscopically better than what I just told you. Okay. So, I I mean, I've been watching and they are not microscopically more expensive. They are really more expensive. And so the whole point about it is, and, and it's that with antibiotics as well, our immune system is what we lean on, and when it's gone, we don't We're do well. Deep doo doo. Yeah. Well, here's a person with a question about not feeling well. This guy's had a deep cough for two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. Should he go to a doctor? Well, <clears throat> my here's the story about the viral infections that go on. You get a runny nose, a sore throat, ache all over, feel you're going to die for one or two days. And then, and your na- nose plugs up and you're draining and you don't sound right and you have pain in your face. And then, because you're blowing your nose because you have all this snot for two weeks, you ram this stuff into your sinuses and it hurts and you're going, I need an antibiotic. It's just a darn cold. There's no data to say antibiotics help th- that. Stop blowing your nose so darn hard and ramming it full of this uh, stuff. Uh, in fact, you should just gently uh, blow your nose. Maybe use saline. If you've got a stuffy nose, I like the nasal cord nasal spray over the counter. Okay. And you will end up in this common cold with a cough for two to three weeks. Hacky cough, nothing wrong except that that hacky cough takes about two to three weeks to go away. Now, put that in the middle of the summer when people have allergies. Right now, you have a clue that it's an allergy because you sneeze. When you're sneezing, that's allergy. And I like the idea of, oh, nasal cord, nasal spray again. And morning Allegra, nighttime Zyrtec, always use a generic version. It's on the shelf over the counter. And uh, try one or the other. It's all better than Claritin. Claritin works but I kind of have turned to Allegra and Zyrtec as our better ones. Use one or two. Okay, so I add those to the people who who, who last longer than um, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. The other thing to remember, though, is I had a dear friend who almost died, had a bad cold, and about day four or five, fever came back. 
Now, when the when you've got a cold, I mean, almost every pneumonia is preceded by a viral cold. It sets you up for a bacterial infection sometimes for who knows why. Healthy guy otherwise came down with a pneumonia, sat on it, became septic. I mean, the blood bacteria were growing in his bloodstream when we finally caught him and turned it around and saved his life. And the point I'm making is when you have a cold and you have a fever the first day or two and then it goes away and now you have this crappy, hacky cough, uh, but no fever or chills or sweats, you're okay. You should okay. be fine. Okay. But when you start having another fever, day four, five, six, seven, you know, then you come in. This person... This person has a deep cough for two and a half weeks, said nothing more about having a second fever. So if they had a fever when it started, okay. they're there probably could, good. Could be there's an allergy. There's a time when your, your cough is so productive and you're just failing. And, you know, okay, if you want to expose yourself to an antibiotic, you can, we can probably justify it. You'll go to the doctor. They'll probably give you a Z-Pack or an antibiotic, and it may or may not help you. I mean, I try to drag that out. If there's a fever, I go in. If, I, if there's no fever and it's a hacky cough, maybe it's a little bit of an asthma. You know, then, maybe, and you're wheezy. If you're wheezy, go in. Okay. Uh, if it's too, it's starting it to third exhausting, week, though. I would go in. I yeah. mean, go in, see, you know, sometimes I'll hit them with a burst of prednisone. 30 milligrams doesn't make you too crazy. And I then, had a friend who had a cough that just recently must have been into the third week, and her f- husband finally said, we are going in. She went in, the doctor did all the tests, said, you know what? It's a virus. You'll get over it. Yeah. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> but and it was did. just, it lasted so long. You well, worried about it. I think and then it was okay. Well, I mean, you know, look, you hack, 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 hack. You and irritate you the crap. Of it. Well, you, you irritate sore. the heck out of things down there, and then it self perpetuates itself. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of maybe a burst of steroids so it, it, you stop your, your, uh, your habit of hacking. Um, well, and then and then you can get over it. Well, we got that, and we had another caller when you were talking about the wounds, uh, and this we probably should get to before the program's over, and the caller has a scab on a vein on the ankle. If the scab comes off, it gushes Please. blood. Yeah. What should I do? So wear support hose because you've got a venous insufficiency ulcer. That's the classic uh, problem that people who have bad varicose veins have. There is no better reason in the world than to wear 18 to 22 pound below the knee support hose. It doesn't have to be above the knee. It's really below the knee. You need to get the pressure out of there. The pressure is pushing out. It, it's really hard to get that to heal. So what I would do is I would cleanse it with soap and water, put a dab of Vaseline, put a cotton gauze on it. I would, not, uh, I would do that even with the scab. Then I would put that support hose on over the dressing and I would wear it through the day, and then at night take it off. And um, we're almost done, but I just want you to. That is w- not make the sure. answer I expected no, to hear. No, elevate the leg. it isn't this caller's answer no, either. No, support hose, support that's hose, why support hose. Venous insufficiency. Okay. You know, it's only the, those veins are only going to get worse as you get older. Get used to wearing the hose. Once you got it healed, wear them religiously. One lady just bawled me out for not pushing her to finally wear a support hose. She fin- I mean, I told her to do it. And, of course, you know, she hated them. Everybody hates them. The answer is they're, they're wonderfully healing when you have bad veins. They're the, the major So that's the treatment. reason it's gushing blood when the scab yeah. goes? Pressure. Okay. So you need the support hose. Go and get them. All right. You know, we're just about ready to close the program. We have about a minute. But you do want to mention what's going on tomorrow night on 
right. on call with Kevin, the Prairie Doc. Kevin Wyland and I are going to be on a committee together, I mean, on a panel together on obesity coming up in September that'll be really fun. He's an expert in, in uh, dietary uh, things. He's got a book out on how to buy, how to uh, uh, eat the natural Indian way uh, with bison and so on and so forth. He's wonderful. And his wife, uh, Wisensee, uh, Dr. Wisensee is a neurologist. So they were on our show, I think, a year and a half ago. It was such a good show. We're, we're doing a rerun of his show, their show, uh, tomorrow night. So you don't want to miss it if you didn't see it the first time. And if you saw it the first time, you might want to see it you again. You might want to see it again. It was that good of a show. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, tune in tomorrow night, Thursday night, South Dakota Public TV. For today, we do hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc, brought to you by the Avira Medical Group Brookings. As always, you can hear and see more from Dr. Holm online at prairiedoc.org. Thanks for joining us today, and thank you, Rick. Thank you, Joan. And wasn't it great that we had questions? I just love the questions. Yes, Think about your questions appreciate through the week. You call in. in next week. And thanks for promoting the Regatta Bob, and thanks, everybody, and stay healthy out there.